Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. So we have been on our journey in our series, Everyone, Every Day, Everywhere. And as we have been going through the books of Acts, we have seen what does it look like for the first century church to be together, to be on mission, and to be united for God's will. So we're going to do a little exercise today, so if y'all can bear with me. So we'll go to uh, our next slide there. So the people that are on YouTube, I mean, yeah, YouTube. Good morning, YouTube. How you doing out there? Everybody say, good morning, YouTube. So the question in the Mentimeter is for the YouTube audience, okay? It's for the YouTube audience, all right? The most precious thing in your life. Now, for us that are here in person, there is a three by five index card that is either in front of you or on your seat when you sit down on the front row. There should also be a pen there. For, no, you do not. So, unless Angel wants to be grateful today, it's a lot of pens, brother. Okay, y'all get to keep the pens. Amen. How about that? Look at the way God works. All right, so I want you all that are here with us in person to write down what is your most precious, your most important, or the most just thing that's for you right now in your season of life. After you finish writing that down, if we can pass those into the center aisle and the individual that's sitting on the end seat or the closest to the end seat they will collect them, and they will bring them up and put them in a basket. So let's take a little bit of a moment to uh, do that exercise. So we see uh, on our YouTube, we got family, peace, our health, wife, spirituality, my relationship with God, achievement, success, mental health. This is good. So I want us to really remember what you wrote down, because you will have to refer back to that, all right? And that's why I didn't want the audience here to participate there, because that will come back up later for us here. But if you have, you're going to do it twice, all right? So if you got it written down, let's go ahead and pass those to the center. And then each person that's on the center aisle you come up, and you're going to put it in the basket. You're going to put it in the basket. We're going to get a little activity, get our hearts pumping a little bit this morning for at least some of us. So as we are bringing that up, my family recently went on a vacation where we journeyed outside of the country to Jamaica. And we had never been to Jamaica before, a little bit of uncharted territory. Obviously, we kept it, you know, in the resort world. And, you know, I bought, you know, my tennis shoes. You know, I mean, yeah, y'all know how I like my J's, right? Got a pair on the day. 
So I had my J's in one of my suitcases. And, you know, when we got back, there was some weather and, you know, airline got all messed up. And, man, our luggage did not make it back with us. Bro, I had my J's in my suitcase. And I'm like, y'all must be tripping, man. Tasha had some valuable items in there. Kennedy had her medicines in there. I mean, it was a big deal. And so what I realized is sometimes when we go on journeys, your luggage don't always make it back with you. Now, Marcos talked about an airline last week that will remain nameless. I'm not trying to throw nobody up under the bus, Brother Marcos. <laughs> and the truth will set you free, huh? And so, you know, you don't always, your stuff don't always make it. And then even some of the things that y'all have written down here, some of the things that are on the, uh, the screen up there, when we go on journey, sometimes we can't take those things with us. Now, obviously our family is a part of us, but we're going to talk about the heart of what it means to really let go of the things that mean the most to us. So when we are on journey, journey can begin at any point in time. Turn over to Exodus chapter 1, Exodus chapter 1. Now, I know we're supposed to be in the book of Acts. Brother Maldonado has given me a pass to be able to teach this because I think it would be very impactful for us, but we will get to the book of Acts, trust me, all right? So Exodus chapter 1. Now, this is an adventure that starts for a biblical hero all the way when he was an infant. And the Israelites are going through it. There is a mandate for murder, and they are on the run. Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, and then we'll jump into chapter 2. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born must, throw, must be thrown into the Nile, but every girl live. Now a man of the tribe of Levite married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could not hide him any longer... She got a papyrus-tree basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what had happened to him. So before we jump in, I do want to give a shout-out to uh, Jonathan and Tay Robinson, they also have a baby that has recently come into the world. And so we were sharing life not too long ago, and uh, we were talking about this topic. And so this is a word that uh, actually they put on my heart to share with you all. So when you look at the Nile River, the Nile River is not a tranquil, peaceful endeavor. So let's take a look at this video here to get an idea of what we're talking about when we say the Nile River. So we see the vastness of the river. We see the white water rapids there. This is not something that you want to put your baby in. So moms that are out here today, 
Imagine putting your three-month-old in a basket and putting them in that. What must be going through your heart? What must you be thinking is a better option to keep him with me, knowing that he could get murdered, or put him in a basket and put him out in that? Understand the Nile River is not where you go fishing, right? There are alligators in that thing, man. You get eaten up and chewed out and spit out, and it is murderous. But Moses' mom had something that was put on her heart to put her child in that basket. And when you look at this particular theme, this is a theme that has actually resonated throughout ancient Jewish history and literary. You know, the authors of the text, they write in a certain way to hint to different messages. So this is a story that has been told in ancient time all the way 3000 B.C. It even started with a Mesopotamian king by the name of Sargon, who was a young infant boy that was rising to power. And he was also set off, abandoned in a very dangerous environment. And the literary uh, ending is whatever is placed in the basket, they automatically have hero written on their name. The other thing that we have to think about is the original language that says papistry basket. The Hebrew word for that is actually box. It's the same word that is used when we're talking about Noah's ark. So when they talked about putting something in a basket, it was a sign of the ark. We know the ark is a sign of the way God decided to save the world. So we have salvation. And salvation in the Greek means healing. So Moses' mom knew if I put him in this basket, God is going to save my child. And he will have salvation. And as we know, the ark, Moses, he brings salvation for a whole nation. So if we think about what our hearts are, the mother, Moses' mother, she had to put him in the basket. She had to trust God. So this traumatic event the Bible is hinting to us that whatever goes in the basket will eventually be a hero. But do we trust in God like that? Because God was in control to put a baby in a basket. Even though you cover it with tar and pitch, this is basically like a, a, a kind of almost like asphalt, you know, to try to keep the baby covered. That river is still crazy. So the heart and the trust that Moses' mom had to put Moses in the basket. And that's the title of my message today, Put It in the Basket. So what do we need to put in the basket? I already got it recruited up here so you can't come take it back. We're going to talk through that though. So, as we look at Acts, go ahead and turn over to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. 
The context here is in Acts chapter 8, persecution breaks out in the first century church. The church in Jerusalem and the apostles, they stay. Nobody else can stay in Jerusalem. Everybody else is scattered across the land. There were a group of people that ended up over in Antioch because God put something on their heart. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and he saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Persecution broke out. Things were tough. The hub was under attack. And so everybody else had to be sent out. And they didn't, like, crawl up in a little ball and sit in their closet and mope. They went out and they were on mission together. The scripture talks about these, uh, they don't even mention their name. They just said, those. These weren't professional ministers. These weren't the apostles. These were just everyday, ordinary men and women who had the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Every day they were out. They started with the Jews. Maybe some of the Jews got it. Some of them didn't. But then they went to the Greeks. So they were on the margins. They were working with people that were ostracized. They were working with people that were on the fringes of society. But they wanted to share the word of the Lord with them. Everyone, every day, everywhere they went, this was their conviction. And they were not specially trained outside of what you see in Acts chapter 2, which we talked about. They would just be in the church. There wasn't anything special about these people outside of the Holy Spirit living inside of them. So when we look at the hub, this is our hub. This is our Jerusalem for the path and our ministries. And this started in my context with me and my family moving down uh, almost eight years ago now. First met Mike in 2015. We all know about 2015. I had no idea what was going on. I was just like, man, we got some brothers out there preaching the word. I'm listening to it on the podcast. He said, call Brother Maldonado and encourage him. He needs some encouragement. Okay, I don't know what, <laughs> I didn't know what's going on, right? And so, you know, I connected with Angel, and, you know, I, <laughs> I was crying because it was tough to move. I built relationships, 
And I'll never forget sitting in my room. I'm boo-hoo crying to this man. I really don't know Maldonado like that. And I said, I just want relationships. I need friends. Angel said, brother, just get down here and I'll be your friend. Thank you for being my friend, brother. (laughs) And so I say that to say I want to give praise and honor uh, to the PATH Church Uh, to Angel, to Mike, to the leadership team, to Paul, for what they have done for me, my family, how they have invested in me, trained me, shown me how to do what God has called them to do, to imitate before we innovate, right? So I've been imitating, I've been imitating, and today we're going to talk about innovating. So with that being said, Uh, I am so grateful to the PATH Church and whatever we do and how we move forward, there is tremendous uh, love and partnership. There's nothing that I ever want to see bad happen to the PATH Church, right? This is my home. I've been a Christian more here than I have been when I was in Florida. Eight years here, five years there. This is home, amen? So... um, When you look at how the church was moving uh, with everyone, everywhere, every day, look at what the church in Jerusalem did. Look at what the church in Jerusalem did, right? Antioch was growing. Church in Jerusalem could have been like, man, shoot, what them old fools over there doing? Man, I ain't sending them nothing, man, shoot. I'm keeping my money. I'm keeping my people. They can figure it out all on their own. They didn't do that. They heard about what God was doing, and they sent the the most encouraging dude that we probably see in the New Testament, Barnabas. They sent their ace. They sent their best down there. And Barnabas goes, and he does his thing. He encourages. Who is going to be our Barnabas for this opportunity that we have for kingdom expansion? Who's going to be sent? I don't know. It may not be now. It may be later. Barnabas came later, but somebody came. And Barnabas didn't stop there. He wasn't a one-man show. He went to Tarsus and got his homeboy, Paul. We know what that dude went and did, right? He started a whole church planning network that we read about in every epistle in the New Testament. He went back and got his homeboy. He's like, come on, dude, you got to come see this, dog. You ain't going to believe it. And they spend almost two years, I think the scripture says, in Acts 11, 25, where the Christians first got called disciples. So what would it look like? Paul didn't create the church in Antioch like we sometimes say. No, he didn't plant that church. The ordinary everyday disciple, those, those are the people that planted that church. What Paul came and did, his foundation was laid by people that didn't even get mentioned in the scriptures. So it's going to take regular, ordinary brothers and sisters who have the Holy Spirit living inside of them to go out on an adventure, to go on a journey 
Marcos talked about comfort last week. Yeah, Jack, get ready to get outside your comfort zone. I know I'm outside mine. Angel just told me back there, don't feel the pressure. I'm trying not to feel the pressure, Angel. (laughs) But I'm outside of my comfort zone. If I stay, if I say, no, I don't want to do it, it's too hard. It's easy right now for me, I'll be honest. It's easy where God has me right now. He's been calling me. I've been resisting, and he's been calling me. And Mike and Angel finally say, hey, man, we should plant this church. Do you want to go? God, darn the ass. Shoot. I was hoping they weren't going to ask. But it's been clear. I've been communicating that to them for quite some time, that that was my calling, that was my passion. So that's me. What about you all? What did you write on the basket? What did you write on your cards and put in the basket? Go ahead and now we're going to have our in-person put up there, right? What did you write? What is in the basket? Yeah, put it on Minty. Yeah, pop in there. Put it. Yeah, this is for us. This question is for us here in the audience. I want us to be able to see what we have in this basket. What we have to let go of. Because here's the thing, when we go on these adventures, it's not going to look like what we think it is. We can't dictate to God what it's going to look like. And a lot of these things that we put up here, we want to have control over. But when you're following Jesus, you got to put that stuff in the basket and let God control it, amen? Is it going to be rocky? Yes. Is the journey going to be unpredictable? Yes. But when we put it in the basket, that represents our trusting that God has his hands on it. That we can't figure it out. But are we going to be willing to trust that person that situation, that thing solely to God and not have your control. And you know, sometimes we like to manipulate things and we'll say it in the name of the Lord, and put it on my heart. No, you're manipulating things. With all this good stuff up here, right? And things that go in the basket, some of it's good. Heck, some of it's bad. Maybe there's some sin that needs to go in the basket. Maybe there's a bad attitude that needs to go in the basket. Maybe you're running from something that needs to go in the basket. But can we trust God? How are you feeling about that right now? What you wrote on that index card, do you want to run up here and take it out of the basket? I ain't going to let you. But I know there's some stuff in there like, oh, oh, I ain't know we were talking about that now. I can't turn my kids over to God. I can't turn my marriage over to God. I can't turn the fact that my career, and that's all I think about, I can't put it in the basket and turn over to God. My money, I want my money. I'm not giving my money to no church plant, no ministry stuff. No, 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 no. I'm going to take control of that. What's going in the basket and what do you want to take out of the basket? 
You know, the basket represents an opportunity for God to be in control. It represents an opportunity for whatever you put in there to become a hero. It represents an opportunity for salvation, healing of someone's soul. And there are many of us out here. I saw relationship with God. Maybe you've been journeying with God and you've been wrestling in the scriptures, but you're just not quite ready to submit to him yet. Tell you today, come put it in the basket. And there's a brother today, two brothers actually, one a couple of nights ago and one today, they decided to put it in the basket. And we get to see that live in action. Colin decided to say, I'm putting it in the basket, man. I'm done. I want to follow Jesus. So as we look at what the PATH Church has put in the basket, the PATH Church is the hub. It is our Jerusalem. And they have decided to put the Sandy Springs Church plant in the basket. They have decided to trust God with what God is doing in Sandy Springs. The PATH is the mother church that is birthing the Sandy Springs Church. And just like Moses' mom, they had to have that faith that I'm going to put it in the basket. I'm going to put you in a rough and uncontrollable, violent environment because that's what a church plant is. If you come to the interest meeting, I'm going to give you the real deal of the real deal. But who's ready to go on a journey? So this is the heart of the PATH Church. They put the Sandy Springs Church in the basket. What did I have to put in the basket? I had to put money in the basket. How are we going to get this thing funded? Nobody wants to fund a co-vocational pastor. Everybody wants to see the traditional model. I struggled for a long time. Angel and I, as we journeyed together, I can remember going to a conference, and many people told Angel, that dude ain't going to, he, he, he can't do that. He got to quit his job. But Angel kept faith. He kept the faith. But for me, in my heart, I had to put it in the basket. Even for what the women's ministry will look like. And I just want to encourage my wife right now. My wife is the greatest woman in this world in my eyes. I love you. I love you for what you do. And you create an environment that brings people to Jesus. Party planner, event planner, there is no one better. So by no means, and I'm, am I going to let what a traditional narrative say, well, oh, Tasha's not leading the women, so we can't do this. No, God will provide for the women, amen? amen? But if I'm being transparent, I had to put it in the basket. <laughs> but Amen. God is working through it. So uh, let me kind of get to some practical stuff here. Uh, I want to be sensitive of the time. Uh, you know, I was looking. I mean, the document that we've been working on for this is 80 pages. So by no means can I give you everything. Uh, I will try to give uh, some very thousand-foot level, as I say, um, 
Obviously, those that are interested for more uh, or questions, we can do the church uh, interest meeting, uh, and we'll have several of those. So uh, we know that the PATH Church's vision is to create churches that mobilize the next generation. And so there is a vision that has been realized out in Sandy Springs through partnership, through training, through all the mentorship of the PATH Church. And I kind of alluded to how we got here with Angel and Mike uh, asking me to do this and then, you know, having many of conversations with my wife, my family. Uh, I can remember Paul and I uh, meeting with our wives and talking about what things look like. And at one moment in time, we had no idea. We did not know what it was going to be. But we had conversations, continued to pray, continued to get advice, and then Marcos comes in with his incredible wife, Amaryllis, and then they start giving us a vision of what it potentially can look like. And so I thought God was amazing because he's bringing somebody that has the expertise right in our midst to help figure this out. So after we kind of came up with our ideal of what things look like, then it had to be, well, Jackson, why? Right? I do what I do because I'm, I'm those. I've never carried a title here at this church. I'm those. I'm, I'm, that, I'm in that group. I am those. No name. Let's go for it, dude. Come on. We got stuff to do, as Mike would say. But so I had to say, what is my why? This is my why. So this is a picture of a group of us down at Georgia Tech. And everybody probably familiar with everybody for the most part. Uh, the guy in the white is Mark Smith, who's the head football athletic trainer. Richard, short dude in the front, head men's basketball athletic trainer. I love you, brother Richard. Uh, <laughs> uh, brother Vic. Kyle Sturdivant is a starting point guard for Georgia Tech. And then the gentleman in the back is K.J. Wallace, who's a starting cornerback uh, on our football team. K.J.'s on a journey to try to figure out what it really means to follow Jesus. And so the best way I can articulate my why is through this story. This brother was hurting, and he opened his heart up to us. He wanted to see Jesus in a different way. He definitely displayed to us that he wanted healing. And so we were able to spend time with him, share life with him, help him in his journey, not only to navigate his spiritual life, but what is he going to do in his next step if football works out, if football doesn't work out? He wanted to figure out how am I going to be a man that contributes to society? So my why is trying to help young men like that, young women like that, who have the heart to want to follow Jesus, but maybe they've just been tainted by the messiness of church. Maybe they've been tainted by some weirdness that they got taught when they were small. Who knows? I mean, we all have different backgrounds, man. And so we want to be able to create an environment that leads to healing and holiness so that people can be a whole individual. And it starts with the relationships that were formed. I knew Richard for 10 years. Richard becomes a Christian. Richard helps Kyle. Kyle becomes a Christian. We're studying with Mark. Mark's counting the cost. Jazz pops in there. He can connect with anybody. He connect with all these Gen Z people, man, 
right, and all their language and stuff. And so that, that, that's just an example of the different relational contexts that gives me my why. So when you look at the first century church as uh, Paul did his thing, you see that when you go into different contexts, you need different uh, tools, you need different people, you need different resources. The church in Colossa was different than the church in Corinth, which was different than the church in Ephesus, was different than the church in Crete. And so as Paul went into those different areas, he needed to be able to cultivate to the needs of the people. And so that requires for that specific church to be able to be flexible, be able to move, be able to meet the needs of that specific demographic. And so we know that Paul, I mean, all that stuff was interconnected, right? And so what we're talking about doing is a church that will be uh, interdependent, uh, all right? The way I describe it is DNA, two parents coming together. One parent is the PATH Church. They give 50% of the DNA. Another parent is myself, Jazz, and the rest of our core team. We give 50% of the DNA. Boom, you get a new child that has similarities of both parents. But when you birth a child, you just don't kick your child out into the world. Boop, bye. Even when they begin 18. You, you, you want to walk with them. You want to be there with them. Well, all right, y'all, just work with me. Just work with me. Come on, man. Just work with me. We don't need to go into all that. Just work with me, all right? And then the, the child is honoring the parent. And they pay homage to the parent. And so that's what we're looking for. So as we looked into the demographic of Sandy Springs, the first time somebody hears Sandy Springs, what y'all think about? Hey, let's get it real. Money, right? But here's the deal. Not so much on the north end. They actually have, that's the name of the neighborhood, the north end. The north end of Sandy Springs is significantly marginalized. We call it the forgotten demographic. There are so many people that are being moved out of their homes because they're being priced out. They don't have resources. They don't have community centers. They don't have anybody investing in them. There are a bunch of abandoned strip malls and underutilized buildings because nobody cares about the people that are up there. And so it's amazing how God works. We're trying to figure out where we're going to meet, and I'm going through all this stuff, got all these buildings. Jazz says, why don't you check with Brother Mike Brooks? Mike Brooks? Why do you worry about Mike Brooks? Mike Brooks works at Sandy Springs, or used to work at Sandy Springs Charter Middle School, right in the heart of the North End. We meet Brooks, and Brooks, as Mike shared, uh, Mike Patterson shared, you know, he has this incredible gentleman's elite, um, you know, club, uh, organization that he has, and then that leads us to meeting uh, a lady by the name of Megan Harris. Megan Harris is the co-chairperson for the Juneteenth Federation, which is an organization in Sandy Springs that reaches out to the North End, black and brown, 
uh, people of minority, low-income families, to be able to try to empower them. She brings us out, we connect, she introduces us to the city council person, Dr. Melanie Kelly. I had no idea what her district was. Her district is District 2, which is the north end of Sandy Springs. She's been looking for a church partner to really help invest in her district because the dollars don't tend to go there. They tend to go down south. So this is a picture here of Mike Brooks and his gentleman elite organization. The very short dude in the front on your left is Logan. Logan is the shortest one of the bunch, but he has a heart of gold. He is in a single parent household, and at a meeting one evening, Brooks was finishing up you know, doing a presentation with the parents. And Logan came up to Brooks and said, Mr. Brooks, you've been like a daddy to me. Thank you for all you've done. I love you. That's our why. Logan is the reason why. There needs to be the presence of God in the north end of Sandy Springs. Dr. Kelly all the, she said, come to the Sandy Springs City Council. I will introduce you. You'll get to meet the mayor. She's opening up her network to us. Then I get to meet the principal, Miss Woodruff. She's like, oh my goodness, I've been looking for a church partner. I, I did it in Roswell. I haven't been able to find one here in Sandy Springs. I know what it looks like. And so we go through all the different ways of how we can partner and serve and what they need. And, you know, the goal is trying to figure out their rhythm of life so that we can meet their needs. We don't want to come in there legislating what we're going to do. We need to figure out what do they, excuse me, what do they need. So we went through all of that. She takes off her school lanyard. She takes off her badge. And she said, I'm going to talk to you as a friend, not as the principal. I have all the resources, quite honestly, to get my kids and their families what they need. But what they really need is what you're offering, and that's the church. She said they need Jesus in the community. When I heard that. I'm like, that's all I need to hear. So I invite you to consider what God is doing in Sandy Springs. Now, we'll be focusing on the north side, obviously. That's the vision that, you know, Angel casted, right? It's so funny when Angel said he tore up his piece of paper and he threw it away. I don't think he was throwing it away. He was putting it in the basket. He was putting it in the basket because God didn't let it get thrown away because he transitioned that conviction over to me. 
So Angel was just submitting to God. And he said, he was like, God, I don't know. I'm, I'm content where I'm at. I'm tired. He just, he, he, he let go. He put it in the basket. And so that's the environment that we want to create. Our leadership model will be very similar to what we have here. Team leadership. I don't know everything. I don't know. I don't know. I know orthopedics. Now that I know. But I've only been doing this for a decade. I don't know everything. So it will be a team approach. And we'll finish off looking at facilities. Uh, I know people all get up in arms about facilities and where we're going to meet and all that. Uh, you know, right now we're praying about everything. Everything's wide open, you know. Uh, but obviously the Sandy Springs Charter Middle School would be the first, you know, opportunity uh, that we would be looking at. But we're also looking at uh, other organizations and businesses that will let us use their lobby or hotel or there are lots of local government and empty strip mall uh, that are underutilized. And so uh, we're keeping it open. We're keeping it open. God is going to provide. When you look at a launch timeline, so uh, we are looking at uh, kind of a soft launch in December uh, where we will be doing a lot of gatherings, uh, weekly gatherings. People are very excited, very giving during the holiday season. And then our prayer is to have a go live blast off launch January 2025. Amen. So obviously, I know that's not all the details, but if you want to know more, then that's where the interest meeting would be helpful uh, for you, uh, and please come out to that. God is definitely doing something in Sandy Springs, and if you feel called to be a part of that, and there are many different ways to be a part of it, uh, come on out to the interest meeting, and uh, we can continue to talk through that. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer for our communion. Holy Father, thank you for this opportunity, God, to be with you here today. Holy Father, you are amazing. The heart that you have to be able to allow us to facilitate kingdom expansion goes way beyond what we can ask or imagine. Whoever thought that we would be here at this moment for this time to partner with you, God, to bring the gospel to people that are brokenhearted, that are marginalized, that are disenfranchised by the systems that lay oppression on them. God, I pray that the brothers and sisters that are united here today will be bonded in the spirit of unity to make an impact in the communities you call us to. In your holy son's name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about The Path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.